Hello, this is KP of Go Home Heat. Today is the first in a series of pods on Roman Reigns, one Joanna Wyeth from Pensacola, Florida. Coach Dave Wilson was kind enough to come in and let me interview him. I work with him at a thing called Marketable Sports, where we try to highlight local sports in the Pensacola area. It is a, you can go to Marketable Sports dot live to watch replays or live events from the Pensacola area. Coach worked in the Pensacola area. He worked with Coach Bobby Bowden. He worked with Coach Jackie Sherrill at Mississippi State. He worked with one Chan Gailey at both Troy and Georgia Tech. Early on at Georgia Tech, he recruits one Joanna Wyatt to Georgia Tech. Coach has a unique perspective on how one Joe Anawai becomes Roman Reigns. You can feel the affection and the respect the coach has for Roman. You can tell that he knew right away the kid was special. You just didn't know. Things don't always work out the way you think they will. However, certain characteristics of successful people exist. And I think that's an undercurrent through this podcast and I think you will enjoy this. Coach has recruited and worked with multiple Hall of Famers, if you count pro wrestling, in multiple avenues of life. First, Coach is going to tell you a little bit about himself, how he got there, so you'll understand how uniquely qualified Dave Wilson is to talk about athletes and young people. Thank you very much, Coach, for being here, and please enjoy. Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, Go Home Heat. Welcome to the show, Coach Dave Wilson. You are at Pensacola Wilson, is that right? Yes, at Pensacola Wilson on the Twitter machine. On the Twitter machine. Uh, what do you do now, currently? Now, I guess I'm the um, analyst, helper, partner, not partner, but uh, we're close enough to be partners with Marvel right. Sports. Right. You know, with Johnny Mays leading that, and I uh, just love having done that and keep doing that and the things that you're certainly involved in as well to help promote these kids throughout this area. Man, I tell you what, I love working for John. Yeah. I like working for John. I like working for you. you know, as far as I'm concerned, you're my boss too in that <laughs> realm. But now, we're going to talk about Roman Reigns today. You know him as Joe. Yes. You recruited him to Georgia Tech. Yep. And just quickly, you want to go through kind of like uh, your background. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? KP, uh, I tried not to get into coaching. I mean, I played for all my life, played football, baseball, all of it, all my life, and ended up at Troy University, where I played in college after my service. I went in the Air Force right out of high school. Right. But you know what, KP, if uh, all of it, down the line football wise was just so exciting to me and after I left Troy my wife and I got married five years we're up there working and just doing our thing and I spent so much time 
volunteering with youth leagues, with uh, high schools and all that kind of stuff. Finally, my wife told me, says, you're not gonna be happy until this is what you do for a living. So at that time, Chan Gailey had taken the uh, Troy State job. I went down there to see him and <laughs> talking to him and uh, it was just so much fun to hear him say, Dave, you got two kids, you've been married five years, I don't have a whole lot of money to pay. Man, I just don't know if I can get you here or not, you know. Well, two weeks later, we loaded up the truck and moved to Troy, Alabama from Atlanta area. Right. And uh, I walked in Chan's office and said, hey, we live here now, you might as well hire us. Right. And so, you know, that started all. Uh, and had a great time. Spent three years there, came here to the Pensacola area with a friend of mine named J. Jeff Coat that was on the staff at Troy. He took over Woodham High School mm -hmm. after Don Sharp. Well, right. that was right. the dumbest decision ever, but you know, mm -hmm. right. we spent three years coaching over there at Woodham and uh, you know, I was defensive coordinator for him. Then Jimmy Nichols wanted to hire me over at Washington. Uh, and so, hey, yeah, took off over there. Met a pretty good athlete, 10th grader by the name of Derek Brooks uh, and a lot of other guys. Had a lot of success. Then I spent time at Fort Walton Beach with Jimmy Ray Nichols and uh, we won a state championship there with the Danny Werfels and E.G. Greens and those guys. You know, so it just climbed from there. And uh, through the recruitment process of Derek Brooks, became really close with, um, you know, uh, the people at Florida State. Ronnie mm -hmm. Cottrell, Mickey Andrews, all those guys. So we went down there, spent a year, not making very much money. Then we spent one year going to uh, Nichols State. I came back to PHS for two years there, had a lot of success, brought that thing back, I think. and. Uh, but then we went back to Florida State, okay? Yeah. So second yeah. tour of duty with Coach Bowden. Then went to Mississippi State where I spent five years with Jackie Sherrill. And, uh, you know, we won the West in 1998, played uh, in the SEC Championship. Tremendous fun, tremendous athletes all along the way. Uh, Chan Gailey then took the Georgia Tech job. He what was you the know? guy that got my first, gave me my first job. Right. That was my hometown, so it was time to go over there. So it went, you know, right. and had a lot of success. And that's where Joe's going to enter the picture here in a minute. And then there was another one where he entered the picture when I went to work for the Tampa Bay Storm, mm -hmm. the Arena Football League, because it was, uh, Derek Brooks became part owner of that, went along with Jeff Vinnick of the Tampa Bay Lightning. and. Uh, Mr. Vinnick bought the building, the Amelie Arena, all right. of it, you know. Right. And so then you find yourself in that role to where you start getting the real exposure to WWE and all of those folks. And of course, Joe's there. Yeah. You know, John Cena's hung, hanging around with Derek because they're co-owners and something. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's been, been a wild trip, but it's been great. Everywhere, right. everywhere we've been, uh, except for Woodham High School, we've had success. Right, <laughs> right. Just a lot of fun and a lot of experiences, man. And now here, able to share this with some of these kids in my 
golden years, I guess you would say. <laughs> having fun. Yeah, we're having fun. Now, let's pivot into wh how did Joe get on your – now, okay, okay, when you go to Georgia Tech, you're yes. the head of recruiting, correct? Yeah, I'm the recruiting coordinator, uh, you know, there when we go over there. And what, what happens is, you know, it's right when O'Leary, he ends up resigning to go to Notre Dame. So Chan takes the Georgia Tech job because he's a Georgia guy as well. He grew up in Georgia. And so Chan Gailey called me and um, I went over there and it was before because he was with the Miami Dolphins right. at the time. And it was before uh, anybody else was there. And so I go over there and get started on recruiting and say, all right, where are we at, what we need, and all that kind of stuff. And um, one of our staff members, uh, Joe DeLisandris, is the offensive line coach, he had this area recruiting. And I would just, uh, I'd say, all right, listen, you need to go see this guy down there, this coach, talk with him. Who are those? Because we were behind in recruiting. Absolutely. And this happened in January when right. we took the job. And so we came over here and started searching. And Joe sent me a message uh, one, one night late, called me, I guess, one night late. Hey, there's this kid that's been uh, named Player of the Year over here. His name's Joe. Joe something. Yeah, it's a tough one. And a wire, right? <laughs> right. And so... Um, you know, that at that time, Joe was at uh, Scambia finishing his senior year. Transfer from Catholic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so we looked at uh, some different things, and we had some scholarships available. And so that that's what led to the recruitment of, uh, of Joe to come up there and visit with us and see us and do all those things. And uh, so impressive, even as a young man. Right. So impressive. You know, now I won't tell you, but I will tell you. Joe DeLisandris also had on his radar Josh Sitton. Okay. Okay. And it came down to Josh and another guy, and Joe DeLisandris chose the other guy that we'd signed in that role. And Ooh. Josh has not left, let that go for all these years. He still gives you trouble about <laughs> he it, huh? gives me trouble. And so, World champion Green Bay uh, Packer, yeah, Josh. You know, just, yeah, 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 just that. Yeah, right, all. right. <laughs> so, uh, but that's, that's kind of how the, the story started. Now, Joe wasn't heavily recruited? Wasn't heavily recruited. You know, he was kind of a tweener. Was he was he a defensive lineman where he put his hand down, or was he a stand-up middle linebacker? Right. What was he? You know, at that right. point, undersized. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. For for a tackle. For a tackle. A little bit bigger than, another, than most linebackers. Exactly. But I got to tell you what, the things that drew us so much to Joe wasn't what he said, because he said very little during that time. I mean. Kevin, it was, I mean, you had to draw things out of him right. for him to speak, <laughs> you know, and, but his actions were just fabulous. I mean, you're sitting there looking at a guy, a kid that became a captain as a sophomore at uh, Catholic High School and every year thereafter. So that was a check in, you know, in his uh, favor, always in great shape. 
solid as a rock, took uh, education very seriously. Georgia Tech now. Well, this is before. This is in high school. Yeah, but I'm so saying. Yeah, but we're, we're piling this up, all this up at Georgia Tech. In, in order to recruit him to Georgia Tech, though, he's got to have grades, well, right? Absolutely. You're kind of behind the eight ball compared to some other schools in that regard. No doubt. I mean, I mean I'm coming from Mississippi State to Georgia Tech. And the entrance requirements of Mississippi State <laughs> They're not quite the same. <laughs> They're not the same at all, buddy. And so, you know, we're traveling the country looking for players and uh, here's this here's this good looking kid down here in Pensacola. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we scheduled him for an official visit and uh, came up and I think that that was that was what started his run as uh, this could be an our guy for sure. Once he decides to commit to Georgia Tech, once he gets off campus, how, how quickly did you figure out whether he was a linebacker or a lineman? Well, we studied a lot of things on him. One, he had just a tremendous uh, get off on the line of scrimmage. Burst. Oh, absolutely. It was sudden, quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, he had come up, um, he didn't ever come in any camps that we had because it was too late for late camps, recruitment. You know what I mean? Yeah. But once he got on campus and um, you know fall season started, he showed very quickly how he could be uh, a dominant type player, right. even though undersized. But so we first started him inside at nose and that kind of thing, playing nose guard and. Uh, we knew we weren't going to stand him up. We, we, the defense that John Tenuta, the defense coordinator, ran at that time uh, wasn't conducive to having a smaller, faster guy at nose guard. So we said, well, all right, let's put him on the edge and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, once we put him on the edge and he's, you know, outside shoulder of a tackle and that kind of stuff, can't anybody handle him? Mm. He's quick, he's strong, he's strong as an ox. Mm-hmm. Uh, never says a word, goes and does his job. And uh, so, yeah, that's how he quickly rose as a player for us at Georgia Tech. You talked about the maturity. Yeah. At oh, a young absolutely. age. Yeah. Always kept the grades good, never got in right. trouble, all that stuff. Yes. Am I right about that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and he was a captain there at Georgia Tech. You guys had success. He was all ACC. Oh, yes. Right? Absolutely. Now, when he leaves, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, he's a tweener. Right. And I don't think people realize with Joe because the IWC, which is what they call the, inter- the internet wrestling community, right? They think, oh, he's handed everything, right? Oh. And then when when but when you look at it, okay, he gets to the NFL, and that doesn't work out. Yeah, right. Well, you see, that's the thing. It, it wasn't that it didn't work out. Uh, aside from the leukemia, it would have worked out. Okay. Because okay. they discovered it in one of their in-depth The very first physical, know, right? Physical. That's what backed the Vikings off. He was with the Minnesota Vikings, and that backed them off. Right. Because, you know, they, they cut him a week later as an right. undrafted free agent. And that was all just precaution on their part for not going down that road. I think it, I, you know, there wasn't anything physically hurting him at that point in time. But right. They found that in there, but so uh, then the Jacksonville Jaguars picked him up for I guess a week. 
same thing. Edmonton Eskimos goes up there and he plays plays for them a year. But I guess that things had increased a little bit in those concerns. Um, so Joe made the decision. He made the decision. He retired from the game of football. But I got to tell you now, he he would have been a fabulous long-term guy in right. the game if not for the leukemia showing up. That's what I'm getting at, though, is he cuts that short, and then he joins the WWE, mm -hmm. and, and he winds up doing the FCW stuff, mm -hmm. and he does it's on the early stages of NXT, and then he comes in with the shield. But even when he has all the success, people don't, you know, half the crowd loves him, half the crowd's kind of, you know, right. I mean, right. and there's a relentlessness mm -hmm. about oh, him, yeah. and I don't think people get that. Oh, no. I don't think people get it, and I wonder, that is a trait of a defensive tackle. Oh, absolutely, there's no doubt. I, you know, yeah. you, we saw that for a long time at Georgia Tech, we saw that coming out of Escambia High School his senior year, we saw those characteristics and those qualities that he had in him. Right. Uh, you know, that he was not going to let someone tell him, no, you can't do this. You know what I mean? Right. Now, I can see, all right, people then saying, oh, well, his family history is so long in, right. in right. wrestling and they're just going to, you know, bring him in. No. You won't believe how hard he worked to develop this character. You know, right. even even the name Roman. All right, the name Roman comes from he looked like a Roman gladiator. Right. I mean, all the way through, <laughs> all the uh, all the coaches' wives and stuff were saying, "Man, that's a good-looking well, human being." I, I can tell you, I can tell you, Coach. I was at a WrestleMania in in, in Orlando when he wrestled uh, Undertaker. Okay, yeah. And I get there, and the guys behind me are from Ohio. WrestleMania is weird, right? They, you know, they'll have people over here from Mexico, and yeah. these guys from Scotland, and those guys are from Norway. You know, and the guys sure. from behind me are from Ohio, and they say, "Hey, where are you from?" I said, "Pittsburgh." Florida. Yeah. They said, oh, Roman Reigns. Yeah. And then they started talking about how they hated him. Uh -huh. and, they, and they kept, you know. And then when he's walking down the, the aisle to, to wrestle, yeah. I said, man, why do you hate Roman? Is it because he's perfect? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. He's beautiful. Oh, I hate I, that guy because he's beautiful. <laughs> right? And it, yeah. it, there's something to that, right? There's something to, geez, he's, how can somebody look like that and be like that? And he is smart and he mm. is resilient. And thing like, you know, every time things have gotten in his way, he figured out a way to persevere and be right. more. And, you know, I, I think that at some point he developed the cachet where he could create his own character. Yeah. And it was a, he was able to pivot into what is really a character that has changed. Oh, absolutely. He changed wrestling altogether. Absolutely. But let's go back to the physical attributes because one thing he talks about is that he is a modern athlete. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he talks about in the performance, the burst. Right. right. And, the, the, uh, and you can tell when you watch him work, there's a physicality about him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he was like that in football, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a leader in the weight room. I mean, he, was, he had a religious work uh, record, uh, daily schedule, all of it. I mean, he, Kevin, he dedicated himself to having that perfect body. Mm -hmm. But that he knew in the back of his mind, he still got this little thing in here 
that's messing me up is the leukemia thing. And so whatever he could do to fight that, he went down that road. He studied it. He worked at it. He was gonna he ate the right things always. He, you know, he, he I don't know if he's ever had a drink in his life. You know, uh, but that wasn't some type of protein, hydration, all that kind of stuff. So he studied that so much, and I think that's what really helped him so much to come back. Four months? I mean, my goodness, that's just wow. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody does that. And so, and of course, he was living in Tampa, you know, during Mm -hmm. all this time, and, and... now, were you able to see him somewhat yeah, in those time yeah, periods? Yeah, you know, he would certainly when WWE was was at Homily Arena. Our, our offices for the Tampa Bay Storm was right off of the, uh, right off the Homily Arena floor. It's all there, boom, and of course, and it's changing over from ice to, you know, to wrestling, to Billy Joel coming to, right. you know, all of that stuff and us playing on it. They were slapping down, you know, yeah. uh, turf on top of it. But uh, whenever they would come, I remember the first time I saw him and talked to him a little bit down there, I just got to say hello to him. And our hallway led right to the main floor in Amelie Arena. Well. I just strolled in there one day and they were having the meeting before the show that night. Oh man, they ran me out of there so fast. <laughs> I, this was a lockdown meeting, he yeah. can't be there and this and wow. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I got to see him, uh, you know, quite a bit. Right. A lot of different guys. You mentioned to me a little bit about Derek being a huge supporter of yeah, he likes to wrestle. Oh, he loves it. He's been on a couple of uh, he's been on a couple of uh, nationwide radio shows. I've listened to him talk. Yeah. There's the rumor that uh, not rumor. I mean, I swear I, you'll have to ask him because if I'm wrong, then I just made it up in my head while I was listening to him. But I think I'm right that he used to do the Dusty Rhodes hard time speech in the locker room sometimes before games. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yes, yes. Ric Flair brought yeah. hard times down on Dusty Rhodes that speech. But going back to Roman, yeah. That is the way they say he is with the WWE locker room, Mm -hmm. was what you're describing. Exactly. And I I assume it's been that way his whole life. It has been. From Georgia Tech, I was never in a locker room with him at uh, Escambia and that kind of stuff, you know. But I have to believe that when he started to speak, everybody listened. That's the way it was at Georgia Tech. Even as a young player? I was a young player. It didn't matter. Maturity in his mind started very early. And so he he wasn't bailing out of any role or responsibility whatsoever. Joe was going to, he's going to speak his mind, very direct about it. He just wasn't a great outside speaker. I, that's something he developed. Right. Does it amaze you when you that. see him talk in a ring Absolutely. now? Absolutely. Right, because he's been able to, it took a while. Oh, yeah. But he's been able to transform into a very good speaker. Oh, on tremendous. When, what you're talking about is when with his guys, with yes. his people, right. he was eloquent. Exactly. And yet... Obviously, it's tougher, and it can be tough in WWE where they script it for you, and you're trying to remember your talking points and all that mm-hmm, other stuff, mm-hmm. and then 
as he's gotten uh, the character more into something that he gets to create, it, it's come out more. He, Joe and Derek remind me so much of, it, of each other. Because Derek wasn't that way. Right. You know, on the field, yes, commands coming out, boom, 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 in the locker room, boom, 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 he's, he's handling every little situation and all that, pointing it out. Well, that's the same way with Joe. Right. And now Joe is in that role on such a national stage. Right, 2.4 million people watch him on the weekend. I mean, my goodness. Right. Come on, KP. <laughs> and so Joe knew that he had to go improve himself with that. Right. I think, you know, I think I know he's been through several, uh, you know, acting type lessons, all of that kind of thing, how to express himself. And if people will look at what WWE does, it is so detailed and scheduled. Right. I mean, you talking about a hard thing to do, to right. learn the script and you're going to be out here and you're in front of a house full of people is packed right. and then you're on TV to the nation. Man, that took a, that took a lot of work. In four years. Yeah. He's been three segments a show. Yeah. You know, and, and right now, I mean, he'll be the beginning of SmackDown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then they'll be in the locker room with him three or four times, and then he'll be the last thing when he's there. That's how it works, you know. Oh yeah. And that's that's a lot. Sure. That's more than people are doing on sitcoms. Oh no doubt. And they don't have to. Uh, uh, they yeah. don't have they, to. They can't have go a back fight and film it again either. Right. <laughs> you know, Correct. It's like live that. TV. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what what, what he has. And, and like you said, it's it didn't come naturally. But the things he learned, are the work ethic, mm -hmm. the stick to itiveness. The, yeah. I watched some film of him uh, today. He was. Uh, playing and he had double team against the University of Miami and he was pushing through the okay. and I was yeah. thinking about the resilience a tackle has. Oh yes. You know, and yes. how you know you're you're constantly pushing against two people, three people, because if you can, you know, if because think about it, he he was all ACC with forty tackles. Right. Right. Four sacks, forty yes. tackles. How many snaps were there that year? Oh my gosh. A million. <laughs> you right? know, I, and yet you're all conference if you make forty tackles. But what you do, can do is leverage the line of scrimmage in a way that your guys can take advantage of it. Oh, absolutely. He demanded either running back help on with the tackle, leaving a tight end on there to the double team. So he demanded that respect in his play. Right. Which now then frees up your other teammates to at least the most they can have is a one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, they might leave one completely, but you know, they got one-on-one -on -one situations because they're double-teaming Joe coming off the edge. And another thing about that style of play, mm -hmm. learning how to be a part of a, of a something that's bigger than yourself. Right. Because the defense, everybody has a role, you're playing the role. I When I watch him wrestle, he is underrated in his ability to sell for the other man, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. make his opponent look very good, right. to make you think, I know he never loses, but today might be the day. Yeah. And that's the gig. And he understands that other people have to be elevated for this whole thing to work. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's been amazing. I think his run, I, I think he's at a point where he decides 
with sure. his run-ins. Yeah, right. Uh, I think he may be ready. I mean, he's got two two sets of twins at the house. I know. You know, I know. Guy, he may be ready to go to a lighter schedule than having to be the main guy. But man, we've had a good run. To Even see if he decides to hang it up, there's something more for Joe Anawai. Yeah. There's something more for Roman Reigns. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know if it's politics or if it's running a huge organization or whatever it is, he's going to be good at it. Right. He's that level of intelligence. You, you, uh, absolutely. There's nothing he can't do. No. Similar uh, to Derek. Uh, yes. Very much so. In that so. respect as well. And so, you know, I, I love our, my brief history with him. Uh, it taught me a lot because KP is, as a coach, I always tried to gather things from people, from Danny Werfel, from Derek Brooks, from uh, Calvin Johnson, because you know Calvin and that and was the same teammates. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You recruited two Hall of Famers that, that, that round, huh? So uh, yeah, so that was you know that was just it's so beneficial for me to now see these guys and what they represent because they represent the best of society because they help people get to where they are. Right. And that's that's Joe right there. He helps people get to where they are. The private right. Joe and his wife and his kids, I mean, it all just works towards what's going on. now. I don't know. Does he become an actor? See in the next rock movie. He's heard he's been there once. Right. You know? To piggybacking on what you just said, though, about building people up, like when he comes up with this character, the yeah. heel version of himself, he immediately brings his brothers, yes. I mean his cousins, his cousins the two well, twins, yeah, right. in with him, yeah. Usos. And all of a sudden you have this, now all of a sudden we've elevated them. Right. They were already yes. really high-level performers, but now all of a sudden they're they're doing uh, nighttime soap opera level stuff, yeah. and there are three parts of the show too. He he sees a guy like a Sami Zayn, and yeah. he says, you know, they got Sami Zayn wrestling the jackass guys once right. WrestleMania, and the next WrestleMania, he's one of the main things in the whole thing because. They asked Joe in an interview, who's not being utilized? He said, mm -hmm. I don't think Sammy's utilized enough. Mm -hmm. And next thing mm -hmm. you know, Sammy's, something happens and we need somebody to do a little something with him backstage sure. and boom, that takes off. And he elevates those around him because he sees what's needed. He sees the talents in those around right. him and he lifts it. And it's, it's, it's what you're talking about. It's, it's being able to understand who's good and how I can help them. Well, I think that the other people that realize this is like McMahon and all the people involved in this thing. Right. Realize, all right, yes, let's listen to Joe. Right. You know, let's listen to Roman Reigns because everything that he's been through, he's got a great eye for talent. He does. Certainly. Yeah. And. I know that he's not the only one, but the you know the Cenas, the John Cenas, the Hulk Hogan's, all those guys are part of all this, and they don't want it to go bad. No, but no. they're smart guys, right? And so I think that's smart on on. Leadership. And he's on that short. He's 
I mean, he's literally on that short list of WWE champions. Mm-hmm. Like he's right there. Oh. You know, there's Hogan, there's Stone right. Cold, there's oh, Rocky. Yeah, there's him. Oh, I know. Yeah, there's Cena. Yeah, you know, that, that's probably your five. Probably so. I mean, you know, and, and that's pretty crazy. I mean, there might be people that are better at this aspect or that aspect or the right. other. But when it comes to being the champ and being on TV and being the main person on the show, he's probably right there, top five. Well, I don't doubt that, that at all. And it's amazing to me that when you look at people, whether it be Derek Brooks, whether it be Johnson, whether it be Roman, mm-hmm. there are characteristics that carry through to all of them. Absolutely. And it, you, know, you, can, you can find them in sport, but you can also find them utilizing what they learn through sport exactly. to become better in other fields. No doubt, and and if you'll go in it at, at, in a humble manner, and you'll go into it saying, "All right, I'm going to absorb and learn all that I can," because sports uh, there's very few, if any, one person sports involved in the high echelon level levels. I mean. Tennis, you got all kind of handlers. Golf, you got handlers, you know, and people that are there supporting Boxers, you and trainers, all that. Like oh yeah, about Roy Jones, you know, for what Roy accomplished around here was just, you know, amazing as absolutely, well. Absolutely, and I, we're just blessed in an area that yeah. is is crazy with those type attitudes. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, with coming out of our athletics and and things that are happening here. So we can't we can't ever lose that. And we got to always keep stressing those kind of things because sports teach you about life. Right. And if you don't count on the people around you, I remember uh, uh, Chan used to talk about, listen, Everybody can't drive the bus. Somebody's got to take care of the tires. Somebody's got to put gas in it. Some, you know, right. all those kind of things. And so accept, accepting those roles and putting them out there is a great life lesson. Absolutely. And you got to trust your family. Your family or your players around you, well, all right, that leads to trust in your, in your own family. Right. You know, and so I tell you, there's just so many good things that come out of it. I, I'm just proud to be a part of it for a while and, you know, enjoyed it. Man, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate you giving me your time. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of Go Home Heat. Thank you to our friends at the GIN Project, the G-I-N-N Project.com. Thank you to our friends at The Daily Smart who, who continue to put us out there. It is your one-stop shop for all things pro wrestling. To come this week, leading into Mania, we're going to talk more about Roman. In We're going to try to put him in a historical perspective. We're going to try to put his family in a historical perspective. Keep that in mind. Check us out next time. Appreciate you, Coach Wilson. Go home. <laughs>